All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Dharma Digs podcast, a podcast in pursuit of purposeful living. I'm your host, Taylor Winchester, and I say it every week, I'll say it again. I am grateful that you have decided to take a little bit of time out of your day to stop by and tune in to this podcast. So yeah, thank you for being here. All right, first and foremost, let's get a few items out of the way. If you are new to this podcast, if you're a new listener, you're just joining me for the first time, if you're watching on YouTube, please tap that subscribe button below, give me a thumbs up, let me know that you enjoy this. I know it's early, so you may not know, but if you do like this, give me some give me some love, give me some feedback. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you get your podcast content, please also find a way to subscribe and follow the show. I greatly appreciate it. you don't know how much that means to me and how much it helps me grow and get new listeners. So uh, if you can do that, I would be forever grateful. All right, today's conversation, Rebecca Gumer is a writer, a traveler. As she says it, she's lived a few different lives now. And uh, I met Rebecca actually through my dad, who is also a writer and a published author. And they both, Rebecca and my dad, both spent their time, a little bit of their time, uh, getting their MFAs, which is a Master of Fine Arts for those that may not be familiar, but an MFA in Creative Writing from Queen's University of Charlotte. And so dad was so kind to say, hey, Rebecca is, you know, you have a lot in common. She set out cross country a few years back in a journey that she calls Chasing Light, which is she's actually working on a memoir uh, that kind of covers that journey. But um, we both share that similarity and, and love for what we call van life, hashtag van life for all those social media gurus out there. But she traveled in a small RV with two dogs cross country. Uh, and she says two dogs and not enough books. Um, she's also taught at Appalachian State University. She's worked for domestic violence and rape crisis agency in the Boone, North Carolina area. And then in another life, she says she served three Lutheran pastorates. So Rebecca has quite a bit of experience when it comes to digging into these conversations around religion, spirituality, how that plays a role maybe in defining purpose for her and her creative endeavors, but also really just the impact that it's had on, you know, her her life experiences. And that, that could be dealing with grief and uncertainty that we talk a little bit about. That could also be just talking about, you know, how how she finds uh, inspiration through, you know, the, the divine nature that comes with nature itself and being outside. And we talk about that as well. So uh, one final thing, and, and you'll hear us talk a little bit about this in the podcast as well, but she's been published in quite a few different uh, literary mediums, I guess you could say. One most popular and most noted is she has an essay that was published in O, the Oprah magazine, which we dive into some of the, the quote, a quote or two from that. But she's also been published in the Daily Beast, Pithead Chapel, the Christian Science Monitor, and the list goes on and on. You can find out more on her website at RebeccaGumer.com, which I'll share all this stuff in the in the notes here. But let's, uh, you know, without further ado, let's get on into this conversation. I really, really really enjoyed this one. It, it touched a little bit, as I mentioned, on spirituality, which is something that I've really been exploring for myself of late. So I'll let Rebecca give her own little two cents on what she's up to these days. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, enjoy this. And we'll see you on the flip side, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Dharma Diggs podcast. I've got Rebecca Gumer here. Rebecca, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for asking. I did not butcher your last name, did I? Hopefully, I said no, that properly. No, no, okay. huge applause for that. <laughs> okay, good. I said as I was saying it, I was like, you know, I did not confirm that with you. So, um, well, it's really a privilege to have you here, and I, you know, I'm grateful that I, I just gave a quick introduction, but we'll let you give your own introduction here. But it's, you know, it's so cool to have kind of come in connection with you via my dad, which is always uh, an interesting. Uh, 
connection sometimes. He has he has some really cool and fun friends, so I'm glad we're connecting. Right, right. Yeah, me too. Um, when he um, gave the suggestion that I get in touch with you, I thought, I really want to do this. I'm really excited. So, yeah, good, thank you. Good. Well, as I mentioned, I gave a, a brief introduction, but you are actually the first kind of writer that I've had on this podcast. So this is exciting to me for that regards, if nothing else. But why don't you just give uh, your kind of quick introduction into who you are, what you're up to th- these days for anybody that's listening? Okay. Well, um, I am in Albuquerque. I moved here just a little over a year ago, and I came out here from the mountains of North Carolina, which uh, you will be familiar with. Um, I'd been up there around 16 years, and I lived in Boone um, originally to take uh, my third call. So in my other life, as I say, I was a Lutheran pastor, um, and that was for 14 years. And um, after I left ministry, I uh, worked for our county's Domestic Violence and Rape Crisis Center for seven years. And during that time, um, followed this lifelong passion. I mean, since I was you know, 12 years old, wanting to write um, and having written all those years and um, really wanting to get serious about it. So I uh, went and got an MFA, and that's how I met your dad. Um, and so I've, uh, I've been writing ever since, um, left to write full time and make a go of it uh, about seven years ago. And um, I'm, right now I'm working on a memoir. Uh, I did um, a cross country journey back in uh, 2016, 2017, um, and had just kind of, we'll talk about that in a minute, I guess, but I had just kind of hit uh, a little bit of a wall in, in my life in a lot of areas. And so um, that journey was really, I kept along the way, I kept reminding myself, this is the trip of a lifetime. It really, it really was. And so I'm writing about that. Um, it was uh, turned out to be a spiritual pilgrimage. And so I'm writing from that aspect. Um yeah, I'm here in Albuquerque in an area called Knob Hill, and I got my big old boxer dog, and I adopted a cat, and um, life has just been, you know, kind of quiet since March of 2020, so um, I'm just, I'm kind of hanging out here waiting to uh, get my vaccination and then begin to explore this pretty amazing state that I just moved to, but, but don't know as much as I'd like to. Yeah. That was what was also kind of equally intriguing about the com- the potential conversation was, you know, we share the, the similarities of the love for uh, what we'll call van life since that's become such a, a cliche term these days. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one thing that I've found with, within this pursuit of life and, you know, is that traveling opens up so many perspectives and opportunities for perspectives. And you mentioned it a little bit and we'll talk more about it, but kind of that spiritual pilgrimage, if you will, I think Mm -hmm. that's what's so amazing about it is that, you know, all the things that maybe you thought you knew from growing up in whatever little town or wherever you grew up, once you kind of step foot out of that and explore these other areas and, and other cultures and just see, how much we're all alike, but at the same time, we're all different in so many little ways. It's just, it's an amazing feeling to get out there and explore those things. So. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And, um, you know, I, I'd grown up, um, my dad was, 
in business and because of his job we moved around a lot um and we traveled a good deal um which that just got in my blood and so yeah that whole thing of van life of just hitting the road there is something about the open road you know you're you're sitting there behind the wheel and the road's ahead of you and you're going places you've never seen before and yeah i i find that very exciting yeah now was it just like east to west or did you kind of do i felt like i watched, I looked at some of your stuff and you were kind of looping around and, and exploring a lot though more so right yeah i i started in um really northern florida the panhandle and then i just headed west um on i-10 and i had I guess there were about four or five places I knew I wanted to go. And then I thought I'll just make it up as I go along the rest of the places and just, you know, what sounds interesting. Or sometimes people would send me an email and say, oh, you have to go see this. And I think you're right. I do. Um, so I, I did, um, I guess I would call it um, planned meandering. Okay. <laughs> so, so some of the points uh were places I knew I wanted to just see, like Marfa, Texas. I'm just like, I just have to go see it. I'm hearing things about the lighting there and how it's, you know, kind of otherworldly and a lot of artists are drawn there and it's supposed to be this funky little town in the high desert. I just want to see it. So, you know, it was that kind of thing for a lot of, a lot of my stops. But, um, so I, it was, it was supposed to be a nine month trip. I ended up coming home a month early because of um, wildfires, wildfires rather, and heat waves. And um, and then my dogs got sick along the way. So, um, but I, I went all the way out to California and then spent um, almost three months in California, kind of up and down and visiting and um, uh, officiated at a wedding there. And cool. then, um, then up uh, to Washington and then back across. Okay. And yeah. So Montana was really where I was when I had to call the trip and just headed home after that. Okay. Well, that's still a lot. I, we, my wife and I did a trip just, you know, from Charlotte out to Colorado and, um, and we didn't, you know, we, we, didn't run directly into any wildfires, but, uh, some other friends that were actually traveling around the same time that were doing a longer trip had to reroute several times due to a lot of those California wildfires. And, uh, yeah. but, but California is like a bucket list for my wife. She's like, that's the next one I want to, you know, start Southern and, and kind of work our way up. And yeah, um, Pacific Northwest, we, we actually, we did some exploring there for our honeymoon, but it wasn't in our van and it wasn't in a van at all. We were just, uh, we had a rental car and we're, we're kind of getting Airbnbs, but you could just get lost over there for, for endless amounts of times. And we didn't even make it to Montana. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother one too. So, um, but that's really cool. Yeah, I, it was an... I was just going to say, I can only imagine like, it's one thing to travel with my wife, but to be on the road for by yourself for that long. Now, how, how were you, it was semi-planned as far as where you were going, but did you do any boondocking in a sense of, of, you know, staying for free and just kind of parking wherever, or were you pretty planned out as far as where you were going to stay at campgrounds and whatnot? I probably around two thirds was planned out. And then a third, I mean, I, you know, I, as I let people know I was traveling, I would hear from people who'd say, Hey, come see me. And a lot of times that meant, 
park in my driveway or sleep on the street in front. So, you know, I did, I did some of that in, um, uh, the, the Walmart parking lot thing. And, um, so, but most, most of it was campgrounds. Um, cool. That's fun, fun. Well, let's circle back. I, I could go on talking okay. about uh, about van life and travels for. I know uh, I'm getting excited now. I want to take another trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I just made a post on my Instagram the other day. As like uh, I was just thumbing through some old photos and a po- a picture from when we were camping in the Blue Mesa area popped up in Colorado, and I was just like, ah, oh, I want to go. I'm, I'm itching itching for a trip, you know, but. Um, But circling back to to your career and your love for writing, I ask all of my Mm -hmm. guests this question. But, you know, in in your creative endeavors, what, if anything, could you maybe define or or tie a sense of purpose within that uh, that creative endeavor? I mean, is there a way that maybe you could define or, or maybe articulate what what that sense of purpose might be for you and your creatives? Yeah. And that, uh, you know, that was a really good question. You you posed that to me a couple days ago. Um, so I'd have something to think about. Um, and you know, when you're old enough, I mean, I'm 68, so I have enough years behind me, um, and enough of my writing to think what, what is my theme? I mean, what are the things that I keep, um, uh, coming back around to in general? And, um, I would have to say, um, pointing to wonder. I mean, um, I, you know, I think even since I was a really small person, um, I had, I had been asking kind of the bigger questions and wondering, and, and I have to, um, I have to point to my mom who was just a real nature lover and, you know, kind of, um, got us out of the house and into the woods and, you know, to the ocean and all these places where, where she um, really let us use her lens for just the wonder of the world, you know? Um, And I think it's, I think it was Madeline Langle who said one of her earliest memories was um, her mom and aunt coming in and getting her out of her crib and saying, let's wake the baby and show her the stars. I mean, when I heard that, I was like, like that made me think of my mom. And so it's a particular way of looking at the world that they're, um, I call it the world behind the world or the wonder that's always there. Um, And I have a a favorite piece of art. Um, It's, I'm trying to, I wrote it down because I couldn't remember the name of it. It is called the Flammarion Engraving and you've probably seen it. Um, it's like this person peering through, like there's a picture of the sun, but then there's the firmament that they're peering through and Mm -hmm. seeing the workings behind. And I was like, behind the veil is where, you know, if I can get a peek at that, or if I can, if I can write around it, or if I can um, think with others about it, or if I can find different ways of looking at it. Um, and one of the things my mom used to, used to say was that, um, Shakespeare, quote from Hamlet there there are more things in heaven and earth that are dreamt of in your philosophy just like keep your eyes open so I think I think that would be a kind of purpose a main theme um, for me in my in my creative pursuits well I think that's a fair assessment if I can say so with the limited understanding and and kind of knowing of your work but uh, obviously I think that that is 
that sense of wonder is partially probably what really drove you to take that that kind of cross-country trip and um, the way I've kind of come to think of it lately is is it, at least assessing my own life is kind of realizing that throughout life there are these little there's this like constant thread that keeps if you if you when you start to kind of slow down and quiet down to pay attention to it you see it continuing to re uh kind of re-show itself and i'm finding that and i think so i think that's it sounds to me that's what you're saying is that you're realizing how important that's been and probably an inspiration for you as well yeah and how easy it is to miss it um how easy it is to to gloss over you know the everyday miracles that are yeah. everywhere um and the people that we cross paths with that um i don't know it, it yes the the journey that i made was i mean it also had to do because it was a, a kind of spiritual quest you know i had come to a place where i i felt i had lost all faith um mm -hmm is a really hard place to be um you know that is a faith that i had stood on has sustained me through through a lot of uh grief and and also you know for 14 years i um i, I lived that faith with uh, a whole lot of other people so um you know part of setting out on my journey was and, and i the the memoir that i'm working on has a working title of chasing light because i really felt like you know, I just become really mired in darkness and sadness and, and, um, and so, uh, I keep in, in my mind, I think about the image of just shedding, you know, a coat, an old coat that you don't need anymore. And, um, and so, so part of that noticing too, was also an act of faith, I guess, in a different way for me was, was to trust that I was going to just set out on the road and something would meet me. Hmm. Right. Um, that, that in, as I say, I'm trying to close the distance between me and the divine and, and I'm just going to sit out on the road and, and make a bet that that's going to happen somewhere along the way. And, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. And I've kind of found my, my own sense of wonder about, um, about my relationship maybe with religion and spirituality and all those things more so recently than ever before probably and uh some of that is that kind of these these things that you mentioned that are so easily kind of glossed over but i've started through a meditation practice really started to recognize the, that kind of common thread that keeps reappearing in different ways and also you mentioned you know the these interactions and these um conversations and people to enter our lives at whatever time they do for for reasons that we may not fully understand at that moment but then also kind of reevaluating those uh as to what was that for and that real or, and sometimes i mean it's very clear after the fact or even in the fact of why those interactions happen but speaking specifically on religion and spirituality this was a month or two ago and i was in a barnes and noble and was um it sounds really weird saying that a because we're in a pandemic, but you know, it was masked up and everything. And it sounds wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure to you as a, for you as a writer, it probably does. But, um, I've been going down this rabbit hole of reading a bunch of Ram Dass stuff and, and his, his journey into, uh, his Eastern journey into, you know, exploring the, the world of kind of the, um, 
I guess he was on this spiritual journey in a lot of ways. And, and I, so I was picking up his memoir and I won't digress into that too much, but as I was there, there was a lady and I talked about this on a podcast, a solo dig a, a week or two back. Um, but there was this, um, oh, my dad's calling me how, how apropos, you know? Um, oh my. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell him hi. Uh, we should just ring him in on this conversation, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just, I, I was sitting there and there was a lady to the right of me that was looking at her. She was, it was in a, like a philosophy and religion area. And so it, that's where his memoir was. And I was reading through like thumbing through some other books that were there and she looks over at me. And she says, excuse me, what Bible are you reading? And I'm, I was like, I'm sorry. You know, it just really caught me off guard um, because a, it doesn't seem like a question. It, it's not a question that I've been asked anytime recently, you know, and then B it's like, well, my experience with the Bible was, is a kind of so far removed from, it's been so long, but B mm -hmm. I've never thought about like the various versions of the Bible. And I was like, well, I, you know, I, I don't read the Bible right now. You know, I'm, I'm exploring Eastern religion, which is why I'm right here. Um, but she, she, it was just interesting to me because she was like, I, I read a different version every year. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that interaction was just so odd to me at the time that it happened that it's just stuck with me. And, and then literally, um, maybe two weeks ago, my mom happened to be up into town and she stopped by and she's like, Oh, uh, you know, they were moving my, my aunt up to, uh, her sisters and all this stuff. She's like, Oh, they sent you my mom and dad's Bible. And so it was just, you know, talking about how these things happen. Um, I don't know what it means. I haven't made anything out, made any sense out of it yet. But right, I right. think part of it is just this exploration and, and consideration for the uh, the importance of, of faith in general and, and maybe finding that uh, connection with it, regardless of maybe what your religious backgrounds or beliefs are. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think I, I shared with you a little bit, like I'd love to to hear a little bit more of your story on, on the faith side and maybe what, you know, what were you, when you were working in it, I guess you could say, like, what was your focus at that point in time? And then maybe, you know, in hindsight, how has that perhaps changed from a spirituality or religious perspective now with where you are? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, I would say, um, and I served three different congregations in, in my time as a pastor, and they were very different congregations. Um, and I, I feel really, really blessed to have uh, had all those opportunities. I'm still in touch with a number of people from, from each of those churches. Um, and I, I, I think, so keeping with that theme of, you know, behind the veil, um, you know, very, very early on, I think when I was, it was when I was 12 and I had this numinous experience, um, where, and, and those are pretty hard to put into words because they, you know, kind of fall flat, but, but the best that I can paraphrase in a, in a short time is, is to say I was, you know, out in nature and, and had this moment of an experience of a presence with a capital P. Um, and the way I came to think of it later was hearing the voice of God in a bird. Um, and, and so that if we think about, 
you know, spiritual themes for me, I guess that sense of presence, that awareness of something beyond, of something um, unnameable, um, of of something um, of deep mystery, um, but but also very real. As far as when those moments happen. Um, and earlier you were talking about not knowing what to make of uh, your interaction with the with the woman asking about the Bible, and and so I think, you know, for for me, um, it's that the word I use is noticing. Oh, I notice it. I don't make sense of it right now, but it's something I know I need to pay attention to. File it away. Notice it, kind of thing. Um, so if you fast forward to my uh, 14 years as a pastor, I think that that sense of presence um, in moments of worship, in moments of um, sitting at the bedside of a dying person, um, in, uh, in moments of conversation with people who were struggling, um, and in the gathered community, which I always just found so powerful. It's like, you know, that wherever two or more gathered, I'm, I, I mean, I think with any gathering of people, you feel that, that there is a spirit of more than just people gathering, you know, something, something else happens. Um, and after I left, um, after I left ministry, um, and went to work for the domestic violence agency. And I was there for seven years. Um, I, that, that was a really hard time. I, it was such meaningful work and I worked with the most amazing team of women. I mean, we were, I just, they were beautiful and, um, you know, no, nobody does that for the money uh, right. and opening themselves to just let their hearts be broken again and again. Um, and, and the women, uh, who came, it was mostly women who came there. We occasionally did provide services for men. Um, but just such courage, um, and, and such beautiful spirits. And, um, I think what was hardest for me was just understanding the scope of the problem of, uh, domestic violence and sexual assault and um, and how in particular faith communities are not very good in addressing acknowledging that's a very general and I'm that doesn't mean every faith community but what I've noticed is that that's not a topic that's well understood well one of the things I realized was that I kind of look back on my 14 years as a pastor and and thought I knew nothing about helping the women who came to me. I, I did a lot of things wrong. I'd never been prepared. Um, that's not something that was taught in seminary. And um, so, um, but during that time, I just, I really began to have this argument um, with, with God about showing up and seeing, you know, just, um, not just suffering, definitely suffering, but the brutality and mm. the cruelty um, and how seldom, how hardly ever justice is really uh, realized. Um, 
and I just got pissed. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm done then. Um, I just don't, I don't want to talk to you uh, if you're even there. That's yeah. kind of, you know, the spiral that I went into because um, it was intolerable to me and it still is. Um, so, so that is, you know, it, alongside that, then my mom and dad were both aging and failing and then dying. And, and so that's, that's kind of the, where I bottomed out um, after that and what set me on the path um, for the journey. Because I, I realized I didn't want to live in this, you know, empty place where there was no God, there was no meaning kind of thing. Right. Um, but I didn't really know how to, and, and it wasn't like I could re reconstruct it. I just didn't know what to do next. And so I took a trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, that in some ways circles all the way back to, you know, your, your relationship with nature that your mom kind of introduced and, and all of those things in a way that I think, well, A, I think we could look at society in general in terms of the sense that we're way too digitally connected. And I'm saying that while obviously using these uh, <laughs> devices and platforms to have this conversation. So as grateful as I am for those and, and the benefits they bring to life at the same point in time, it's so easy to uh, to kind of let go of the, the connection and, and really the divinity that is found within relationship with nature and, and um you know, so I think that's what's really, it's something that I wish we all probably spent more time. I think it would make the world a better place. It would make every individual human probably find a little bit more uh, closeness or relationship to this greater wonder of, of what God is. And I think one of the things that I've struggled with, with the whole, and part of it is probably growing up in the Southeast and, and the, you know, and, and the the kind of, Bible Belt, if you will, and the conversations around it, it's that's it feels like there was always this perception of God being like the man, this man, this figure, you know, and that's where I, I kind of that and, and then the, the whole fearing of God, you know, and um, I, it just didn't feel right or sit right with me. And I think that's why I feel more spiritual in the sense that I, I feel more connectivity and relationship as part of us all being a part of this one sense of energy and that's where my faith has led in more so of like a religious approach and i may be way off because i don't really i'm not i'm nowhere near studied obviously as you are in the in the in the religious side or the faith side being a, a pastor and everything that you've done but i'm curious how maybe you i know you've probably obviously thought about this a lot over your years but like how do you come to terms with that now and kind of um maybe what you were taught in, in the seminary program and that versus maybe now your more spiritual approach to it. Like do those, do those worlds collide or have you found like a common ground there? Um, yes, sort of a bit. <laughs> um, I mean, I think, I think part of my spiraling down was an unwinnable argument, right? Um, What's the answer to suffering? You know, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of that knowing, um, knowing that my questions did not have answers, but unable to not ask them anyway. Um, but I, I think, you know, part of part of what um, has been so meaningful uh, about that journey and about 
what it meant is, I guess the word that I'm looking for, it's mystery. Mm -hmm. It's the acceptance of mystery. And the, um, you know, well, we'll talk more off screen later about (laughs) Eastern religions and traditions, but I'm very interested in just kind of have dipped my toe in the water. Um, but but I had read somewhere along the line, uh, along during my journey about the um, the idea of Cohen, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That is the 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 riddle that is intended to lead you into the great doubt. Okay. It's the it's the riddle that is not supposed to. It's the paradoxes and. Um, and that really rang true with me. And I, and I began to just find some peace in the sense of, um, of, of lingering in the great doubt that that wasn't a failure of my faith, that, that it was um, a, a leg of my journey um, of faith, what, whatever that looks like now. And, you know, that's still coming into shape, but, but I, I, I have to say um you know, there were many things about, now I was a, um, a Lutheran pastor and there are many things about the Lutheran tradition. It's not one that I grew up in. It's, it's, but I was drawn to it, um, for a number of reasons, um, that I think at that time were really, uh, meaningful. I, I, I was drawn to the liturgy and the sort of, you know, form of, of, uh, the worship that was very interactive and I was drawn to the theology that that had a great deal of emphasis on grace and wideness. Um, all that being said, you know, there again, there there are the habits and the traditions and what I called inside the box. And I didn't grow up, you know, going to church, so this was something I came to late in life. And I, being in the box, I knew how to do that, um, and then I didn't. Um, so so now I I think of you know, feeling a connection, um, needing to know less and less. In fact, I feel like the less I know, the better, Mm. um, uh, about God, about who God is, um, and, and willing to, to just accept mystery, willing to sort of live with that unanswerable question. Um, that that doesn't mean I'm like okay suffering or oh, whatever you know that's right. I mean I still really really struggle but but the struggling has more to do with you know what can I do in this point in time yeah for this particular person for this particular situation um, instead of railing at God or demanding you know answers yeah yeah I mean that's I think something that people that maybe aren't even don't necessarily have a particular faith or, or, or a type of worship or religion. Um, I'm sure everybody struggles with that. It's like, what, you know, and I, I think about the question I ask all the time is like, why are we here? What in particular, what am I here for? And that's kind of the purpose of right. the, the podcast is like, what is my purpose and trying to understand how other people sort out what their purpose is. And I don't know if, if any, you know, it's, it's hard for me to believe that anybody ever has a perfect answer or definitive answer in that, because I think that evolves as we evolve as humans and grow. Um, but come into terms with it, as you mentioned with, 
living in the uncertainty and knowing that part of that uncertainty is also what brings about, and this has been really a, a key component of the meditation practice I've been on is that, you know, the idea of infinite possibilities and the only way for you to r lean into that is to, to kind of wade in that uncertainty and quiet everything else down. Because if at that point in time, literally anything could happen as opposed to it just being a repetitive action, maybe that you've taken in the, in the previous situation or whatever, what have you. But, um, it's all, it's all really becoming more and more for me, um, intriguing and, and, and not to try and to like unpack or define it or to your point, like being okay with the uncertainty, but also just leaning into it a little bit more, I guess. Um, and I do want to, you know, I, I realize looking at the time we're, we're going, we're going quick here, but I also want to, um, I do want to read some of your writing and kind of tie that into this conversation because I think it's important. And, and that's, you know, partially what we're here to do is celebrate you as a writer as well. So, um, uh, you know, and, and for, for those listeners out there, if you haven't, obviously I'm going to share a lot of Rebecca's links in the show notes. Um, but she has been, had a lot of stuff published. I mean, I don't know what you, and I'd love to hear what you feel like has been your most successful piece, but I would venture to say that a lot of people would probably put that on the essay that was in Oprah's magazine. Um, and is in some ways as sad as that is because that was you, you know, being very, um, vulnerable and sharing a, a very tough situation that I can't even really begin to imagine going through. Um, but I'd love if it's okay with you to read a little segment of that just to, to kind of set the scene for the listeners. Um, and again, everybody that's listening, this is from uh, the, an essay that, that Rebecca wrote that was published in Oprah's magazine called O Magazine, I believe. But it's uh, titled Dealing with the Loss of a Child. Uh, and I'm going to start it now so that you know where this starts. Um, Rebecca says, I want God to be real. I need there to be someone in charge and I need there to be a heaven, some place where I know my baby is safe and cared for it and loved. I think back to when I was a child, moments when I sensed a presence at eight, seated between my mother and sister in a church pew, the sun painting my leg in reds and golds and blues, believing God was somehow in that dance of color. At 12, perched on a hillside as a wild wind stirred, then quieted in the field behind me. And then in the utter stillness came the piercing call of one lone bird, sending chills over my skin, the very voice of God in my ear. And you alluded to that and referenced that a little bit earlier, Rebecca. Um, a, I mean, the, the uh, imagery in your writing, everything that I've read so far is just amazing. I mean, it puts me very much in, in that place, in those moments of time. Um, but obviously nobody can compare with dealing with the loss of a child. And I don't, I don't want to dig into that too much, but um I think the reason now, after having this bit of the conversation thus far, I can, it all comes together to me, that sense of wonder, that sense of mystery beyond and, and kind of reading your writing and then tying all of those, that common thread into everything. I think you, you did hit the nail on the head with your purpose as far as your writing. And I think you do a great job at it, but is there anything you'd like to kind of add about that particular piece about maybe how that's, um, I'd love to hear a, how has that interaction with being published in Oprah's magazine impacted, not just your career, but also maybe like kind of your, any feedback that maybe you receive from listeners and readers and things like that. Does that impact your sense of purpose and maybe your spirituality and faith? Um, yeah, very much. Um, so, um, so that, very quickly that piece was about um 
the death of my second child when he was six weeks old, he'd been born with a heart defect, had surgery to repair it, um, other defects inside the heart that were not detected. And so he, he died quite suddenly at home um, in my arms. And um, seven years after he died, I was already in seminary by that time. And I was um, at the children's hospital where he'd had a surgery um, there was a required chaplaincy that that I was uh, completing there and discovered um, that his heart and lungs were in the pathology department being used as a teaching hospital, Ohio State University is there, med school. And I, ha I didn't know that. I'm, I'm sure we signed something somewhere along the way. I have no recollection of it. Um, but but I had not really wanted to go to that hospital because it was very painful. Um, there were many other sites for me to go to, but I felt, I felt drawn to it. I, I remember my advisor saying, why are you doing this? And I said, I feel like a fish on a line. I don't know. And so it was 10 weeks into my 20 week um, experience there when I discovered um, and, and held, looked at and held um, my son's heart and lungs. And so, um, that was miraculous to me. Um, we, in a way, it was a little bit of a resurrection story that because we, we had had his his body cremated, and I didn't think there was. I had no idea there was anything left of him, and to find that, um, you know, I left there saying my son, the teacher. Um, so, um, so that so that piece. Uh, there, I heard from a whole lot of people, and it was really meaningful and really powerful. And a lot of the people I heard from who had lost uh, children themselves or a couple of people who'd recently lost spouses. So it was, it was if you think of the, the, is it the Aeolian harp that goes in the window and the wind blows through? And so whatever string that was um, thrummed was a common one of grief and loss and people reaching out that, you know, I, I'd never met and probably never will, but, um, but it was such an, uh, a powerful gathering and, um, and it was, uh, it was, it was a privilege and an honor to be able to, to talk with people. Some, there were maybe a couple of people that even had questions and shared their own doubts. And mm. so, you know, to have those sidebar conversations and, um, yeah, that was, it was published in 2017 and I'm, I'm still in touch with some of the people who began to follow at that, um, at that time, I also, uh, had already started my journey and was doing a travel blog. And so a, a whole lot of people then came on the trip with me, which was really yeah. cool. Yeah. I was going to add to, after reading that, that little snippet that for the re for the listeners, you, and I'll link to that uh, piece in the show notes, but you really should go read the full piece because it, um, it, you know, you alluded and kind of told uh, much of the rest of that story just now, but it's, it's, it was just, it was great to read and, and obviously not something that in, anybody would ever wish for anybody to have happen to them. But I think it is obviously um, there is something about that situation that brought 
this about for you and, that, and, and for you to share that with the world that then also probably touched so many more people than you maybe even know from, from them reaching out. And I think about, you know, to go a little bit back to the philosophy and some of the spirituality and religion approach to life, a lot of the stuff that I'm leaning into is this, uh, this idea that, that we are sometimes we're put on this world. If you believe in reincarnation and, and in being incarnated into this, this life form in this moment, that a lot of times the way that I'm learning is that that approach is that you have something to work through within this, this time that you're on this physical plane. And if you believe in that that type of an approach and, and are open to it, it to me it starts to it, it kind of helps things make a little bit more sense, even though you can't really fully fathom why as cruel as and, and um, inhumane as things seem as they happen sometimes, you know, trusting and having faith in the bigger picture that we don't always get to see is is uh, is I don't know if I'd say equally important, but it's something that can kind of help us um, find some sense of peace through it all, I guess, you know, and, um, and I think another key thing that I would just add that, that I encourage more listeners to do, and I'm trying to do this myself is, is to find that vulnerability that you must have had to feel while sharing that story, because that is, is something that many people probably would not be open to even sharing or consider sharing. So, um, you know, I think that is amazing. And I applaud you for that because it's a, it's something that I do think, the more vulnerable I think we are as humans, the more we realize and can and can make the connection that we all really are a lot more alike than we are different. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, and I will say it took me about 25 years to tell that story. <laughs> well, <laughs> I fair had, enough. Fair I enough. had, you know, written it several times over the years and then just put it away. And yeah. I was really not ready. It was a big story. It was yeah. a lot to unpack and I, I didn't, I didn't have the perspective um, to write it until until I did. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, what an amazing, you know, reconnection. And and I think I don't remember the the exact phrasing you use, but it's it it brought some sense for you, I think. And I'm paraphrasing here, but didn't it bring a little bit of closure, or like at least a little bit more feeling of peace within that whole scenario after that? Uh, the reinteraction with the the doctor and all of that. Yeah, very much, very much. And um, I, I think uh, a sort of sidebar, but for a lot of a lot of women um, who have children born with with any kind of anomaly or disability or or issue, um, there's this gut reaction where we blame ourselves. Mm. Um, I, I felt I'd been a faulty vessel. I'd done something. I'd missed something. Um, the day that he died, he was sick. Was there something that I didn't do? Um, and honestly, the, the gift of being able to, um, to have the doctor show me, you know, these are the defects. And it was, it was, it was a moment of grace in, in being able to say there was nothing I could have done. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, um, that's amazing. It's huge. I, I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah. I mean, it has to be, yeah. it has to be. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a good kind of segue into a more recent piece that you wrote, which was your, your, uh, your blog uh, entry titled lifted that I, I was reading as, mm -hmm. as you sent over some stuff. And I think it ties in 
for me to that that previous essay but but also just to the approach of life in general and and the and the uncertainty uh a little bit so i'm going to read it for you those that are listening here this is pulled from rebecca's blog which you should follow her uh on on her website she she puts out a blog it looks like every month or so but um this one was i think in march early march wasn't it maybe Mm -hmm. february okay i didn't i didn't put the date down but this is just a yep. short snippet, and it just stood out to me for, I, I don't even know exactly why, but it seemed to tie all this stuff together a little bit. But light then dark, dark then light. Isn't this the flow of life? We soar, we stumble and fall. We rise, we sink. Still, the world w- welcomes us in bright moments such as these, hope arriving in unexpected ways to lift us once again. That, I mean, I think that was the tail end of that whole blog, but it really summarized uh to me it summarizes a a lot about life and death and just the cycle of things but also um it can be relative to literally like everyday occurrences as well right Um, yeah and it it, and now and having this conversation with you it speaks a little bit to the moment you mentioned of of kind of the grace that came about of that situation i mean the hope arriving in unexpected ways to lift us once again um it's just it's beautiful beautifully written so oh thank you yeah Yeah, thank you yeah yeah that i was um i wrote that after it was my first outing after having COVID and you know just feeling lousy and so housebound and went with friends down to the bosque dell'apache which is about 90 uh, minutes 90 yeah hour and a half south of albuquerque and um you, you wouldn't think driving down and driving through, you know, some floodplains and seeing some birds, it sounds boring, but it was amazing. The um, sandhill cranes overwinter there and a lot of other water birds. And you go the right time of day, you see the flyouts and fly-ins. And I'm, I, it just was, wasn't prepared for, for how wondrous um, and how it really did lift you know, after um, just a really dark year that we've all been through um, yeah. and and looking for that light as we're coming out of it, uh, hoping that we're beginning to do that. So it, it, it was an experience that sort of stood in for, um, and I'm glad you read that last piece because I thought I should write that down and remind myself of it all the time. I was yeah. really writing to myself, you know. Yeah. When I write the blog post, I feel like, you know, I know who I'm talking to because I've gotten to know a lot of the people who follow. But that day, I think I was writing to myself just to yeah. say, hey, don't don't forget, you know, it's a mix, but um, you can always be surprised. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that's fair. And I don't I don't know that we do it with intention, per se. But as as creators and writers and artists, sometimes when we look back in hindsight, we realize that a lot of times um, there are things that maybe we write or we put out there, or we do that oftentimes are really trying to serve as reminders for ourselves in whatever situations, it, you know, may present themselves that we have the ability or, or the, the skills or things that we need to kind of work through them. And, you know, that in some ways this podcast, I mean, the conversation piece for me is, is bring so much joy. And, and after every conversation and this one included, it's, I leave with just this feeling of, of, 
a little bit more light and, and enlivened kind of spirit about living. Um, but then also that these like in between I do solo digs. So every other week it's just me kind of talking about something that I'm, you know, meditating on or working through myself. And, and that is really more so for me than it is the listener because it's holding myself accountable for this journey and this, this dive into, uh, into kind of exploring and, and, and really questioning a lot of these things. So, um, it's, it's interesting to hear you tie that back to, you know, realizing that, yeah, I need to keep that little, little segment, uh, where I see it more often, you know, (laughs) accountability, right? Right. Um, Exactly. Exactly. Well, I I pulled another long, long winded quote from, uh, as I mentioned, Ram Das, I, I, uh, people were probably tired of me talking about him, but I've just feel like I've learned so much from kind of taking in a lot of his work lately, but I won't, I won't go into that one because I think we touched on a lot with these, these other the quotes that you have that I pulled from your work. And, uh, and I appreciate you being willing to kind of open up and, you know, share and maybe re, I know it, it can't be easy always to relive or re talk about these experiences, but I appreciate your, your willingness to do so. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you um, sent me that Ram Das quote because I'm, uh, you know, now you've reminded me that I want to um, read more of his work. And I, because I think the first time I ever heard of him was seeing somebody quoting, we are all just walking each other home. Yeah. And I was like, yes, yeah. this is yeah. true. Um, yeah, his stuff, so, I think what has been so intriguing to me about getting more into his stuff is that, um, it's so accessible for me, you know, and, and maybe not so for other people, but for whatever reason, just the way he presents himself and, and, and he has a podcast that I listen to a lot of his stuff too. And it's just inspirational and it makes me think about things in a different way. And so it's the perspective shift and all of that, that has really been, um, has been a profound impact on my life. And so I find myself like just wanting to read more and more of his stuff too, you know? So, um, I haven't read that particular book. I was just doing some specific, uh, you know, the walking each other home book, but his memoir was amazing. And I kind of feel like I'm starting backwards because everybody that, and all the stuff I see, everybody was really introduced him in his be here now book that came out back in the sixties. And, Mm -hmm. uh, so that's like on my list. And now I'm, I'm reading, um, because it kind of goes with, I'm, I'm diving into the Bhagavad Gita, which is, is like the Hindu, one of the Hindu texts. And he has a book called, I think it's called Paths to God that, really is more his it's based on his teachings um that he did back in boulder and and all so it's just it's interesting because his approach to things and the way he presents things for me just makes so much sense sometimes you know and and when other times other teachers or whatever you just it kind of you hear it but you don't hear it and with his stuff for whatever reason i'm just it just makes so much sense you know so I would definitely say check yeah. check some of his stuff out. I think you would enjoy it. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't. F- I think part of it too is it doesn't feel too forced or too, like preachy. It's just more of right. let me share this with you and you do with yeah. it what you will. You know. Yeah, it's that offering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I love that. So, um, well, I know we're pushing up against time. I've already taken about an hour of your time. So let's uh, let's kind of move into what I call segment three, which is okay. Um, is really just your opportunity to highlight any organization can be kind of mission driven or nonprofit, or it can just be a for-profit business that's doing some really cool work. But part of the the goal of this whole, these conversations is to allow my guests to share, you know, some uh, organizations that they think are making positive impact in the world. Yeah. Well, um, 
I'll, I'll just, I mean, my bias is toward women's shelters and, um, uh, the place uh, where I worked in Boone's called Oasis and um, been around 30 plus years, one of the older um, nonprofits in Boone and, and very stable and just does amazing work. So I always feel like, you know, that's a really good place um, for people to send their donations um, and support. But I would just go on to say, um, I, I wish that we had a better weaning in this culture, had a better understanding of the impacts of, of domestic violence. And so many of our societal problems can be traced. Poverty um, mm. can often be traced to domestic violence. Um, uh, women's um, loss of earnings and careers and things like that. Um, children's difficulty learning in school. Um, far too often um, domestic terrorism has a link. Uh, a lot of times those people, those perpetrators are also um, perpetrators of domestic violence. And so I, you know, I wish that this was a topic that was uppermost for us and that we would address it as a, as a nation. And um, so I always just encourage people to get connected to, to know about the resources, if for no other reason, at some point in your life, because domestic violence is so common, you might come across someone or there might be someone who discloses to you. And to be able to say, call these people, mm. um, uh, here's the number to this organization. When I was at Oasis, we used to hand out our business cards all the time, say, tuck these in your purse. Um, and if, if you ever come across a situation, you know, you want to you wanna be safe and careful about doing it. Um, but you can offer this as a resource to someone because it's so common. So, um, you know, so I say support your your um, local domestic violence uh, crisis centers. Um, people there doing the Lord's work, mm -hmm. um, and the the what used to be a lift for me um, was to to just know that we had community support, to know that people. Um, were behind us and understood that the work that we were doing was was heartbreaking and difficult and sadly so essential. Yeah. Um, so I I think it's just as citizens it's not a bad idea just to know hey here's the number of our local um, women's shelter and here's a little bit about it I have some information about it and just just to be able to pass that along if you ever need to be. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I. I Mm -hmm. it is unfortunately something that is not forefront as much as it probably should be. And, uh, and it's hard. I, I can't even begin to imagine, you know, um, trying to, to be supportive and be, I mean, I can imagine being supportive, but how to, to feel like you're making a difference in those scenarios. I just don't, um, it's sad. And I have trouble either, even trying to understand why those situations happen or how our society mm -hmm. is, grown to where we are and still and yet that yeah. is still as prevalent as it is um yeah but yeah yeah well, well we know it's learned learned behavior so breaking the cycle is one of those things that the community can be part of yeah uh, helping accomplish so yeah i think uh, i i like to think anyways that and i'm hoping i haven't figured out how to how if i can serve or if, if i have a purpose or a way to do any of this but i do I, you know, I think if 
if we all, if the society is, as a whole, we all started to kind of turn inwards and really worked on ourselves more as opposed to worrying about what's happening externally, then we would all grow more in that direction of love and, and kind of caring in that sense of oneness. And then there wouldn't be the need, but it's way easier for me to say that than obviously it is to, to initiate this into, uh, into any, any way, you know, um, into society that, that just, that takes, it takes a lot more than I know how to solve right now, you know? Um, but luckily there are folks like yourself and, and others out there that are, have done the work and are doing the work to, to try and, you know, be a positive light in that. So thank you for doing that. And thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. So to wrap up, why don't you share what's the best place that we can, and I'll include all these links, of course, to send people to, but for folks to kind of uh, engage more in your journey and what you have going on, is that just via your website, Rebecca Gumer, or their social handles or anything you want to direct people to, to find out more? Yeah. Um, RebeccaGumer.com. And you can go there for links to published work. Uh, my blog is on there and then also links to social uh, media. So um, I'm on Instagram and it's at rgamir is the handle. And, um, and I'm on Twitter, same handle. Um, and I have a Facebook author page that is just uh, Rebecca Gamir. Okay. Yeah, so those are, those are the best ways to reach me. Awesome. I'll make sure to share all of those. And uh, thank you again so much for taking the time and opening up and yeah. chatting with us. And do we uh, do we have any expectation date wise of, of when your next kind of published piece will be coming out there? I know the memoir is probably a big project, but uh, any any inkling or any leaks that you got as, of new stuff coming out anytime soon? Well, I'm uh, I'm working on uh, an essay right now that I hope is going to be picked up by um, a major newspaper, but I don't know yet. So, oh, okay. if I find out, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> and and if and I'll you know I always link everything immediately to um, my webpage. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Rebecca, for being here. Thank you listeners for taking the time to stop by and tune into this episode. Don't forget to give us a like, a share, comment, follow, uh, and be sure to go follow Rebecca's stuff as well, which you can find all of those linked in the show notes. Um, but otherwise I hope you all have a wonderful day and, uh, and we will see you next week on the Dharma Dicks podcast. Namaste. Thank you for being here. 